So are donuts our new Valentine's Day thing? I, I guess so. Um, since I have gotten you them the last two years in a row, or the, at least this last year. You always do it so adorably. You always position the box in just the right way. So of course I notice it immediately when I walk in the house. And they're like, oh, can you, can you go in the kitchen? Maybe there's a, something over there. What's this? A box of your favorite donuts plus two that I think you might want to try because I know you and you only like one kind of donut, you cretin. Oh, I, uh, no, those other ones are for me. Oh! <laughs> you do know me well, then. Oh, yeah, no, I, I don't expect to that, I don't expect you to like every donut. You like this one donut, and I'm gonna roll with it. It is chocolate cake and nothing else. Don't uh, give glaze. me chocolate cake glazed, but none of this regular donut with chocolate glaze on top of it. I don't like that shit. Mm-mm, don't float my boat. I want chocolate cake glazed. And see, I like just regular cake donuts. Like, I've had just, just like, cake donuts, and they're delicious. I don't There's something, like, like the ones that you dip in your coffee, like, when we saw in, uh, it happened one night. It's just, it's, it, I like that style. I like that one, too. I like it when we get the little, uh... What do you call them? Not holes. Munchkins. Thank you. I'm glad you got me the DD. I know everyone likes the KK, but uh, I find <laughs> I find eating a Krispy Kreme donut equivalent to eating air. I was gonna uh, I was gonna say uh, whenever like we wouldn't say the full name unless they sponsored us, but uh, oh yeah, when you eat the donuts, <laughs> when you eat the retracted business name. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, like, uh, the, the place near us, the Dunk, or not Dunkin', the Duck Donuts. The they other are, DD. Yeah, they are, the, uh, they are, like, gourmet cake donuts. Those are, like, all sorts of flavors Those, mixed in one. They sit in your stomach. They stay with you a while. You really get to know the donut that you <laughs> hate. It's there forever and ever, much like our love. He's Aaron. She's Elizabeth. And we're married to, to the, the idea. idea. Oh my gosh, you lost me. I, 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 there was the first time I've forgotten to continue. That was, it's been what, 26 episodes and you finally lost it. Apparently. Oh, this spells the end, Aaron. Absolutely, this is it. We should really just end the podcast right here. It, uh, this is the final podcast. Uh, good night, folks. No. Happy Valentine's to you and yours, or Galentine's, if you are of that persuasion. I will be celebrating Galentine's this weekend with my lovely gal pals. Yeah, which I guess has kind of thrown me to make plans with the uh, male counterparts for all of them. What is a dude Valentine's Day? If a lady's Valentine's Day is Galentine's, what is the male equivalent? Dudes hanging out. Like, no, I don't know no, no, why like there has fun, to be a special name. A festive name. Yeah, we need a festive uh, name for it. Guyantines, Valentines, mm. Valentinos. Ooh, uh, Broentines. Bro, I mean, that's probably the, the easiest one. Broentines. Broentines. um Buddy and Tines. Guyantines. None of these sound nearly as good as Galentines Day. No. Well, no, because guys. Valentine's is not nearly the same holiday as it is for, uh, for males as it is for females. Well, I'm glad you get to hang out with everybody. I certainly didn't want you to think that I was leaving you alone, because 
we aren't even celebrating Valentine's Day on the correct day anyway. No, like, if we're really even celebrating it at all, because uh, we were going to celebrate it uh, the day after, and then we ended up like, oh, no, we're going to watch Pink or uh, Black Panther. <laughs> Not Pink Panther. Black Panther. Black Panther. I hear it's good. <laughs> I hear it's very good. I've, yes, I've heard very good things as well. But we're not going to talk about Black Panther tonight. No. Because it's the month of no. love. It is the month of love, and we're trying to find different romantic movies to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, We watched It Happened One Night, the original romantic comedy. Uh, Groundhog's Day, a weird... Existential, changing life... Sort of romance. Did you, uh, we went to dinner with our friends and, uh, our friend Keenan was telling us, we need to have Keenan on here one time. Uh, our friend Keenan was telling us that the, uh, there's a theory that it wasn't him convincing Andy McDowell's character of his, of his character, but rather that he bought all that life insurance. Like, that was what did it. Yeah, didn't he say that? It- yeah, Ned is some Loki-type trickster god who set him into a repetitive circle until he agreed to buy insurance. Uh, Which is terrifying. It is absolutely That's terrifying. That's like more terrifying than any of the things we heard, including from Keenan's lovely wife, Sarah, that there is a Groundhog Day musical. Yeah, that, that uh, astounds me and <laughs> um, confounds me and disturbs me. On many like, levels. Like, the Shrek musical... No. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. But speaking of musicals. Yeah, so this week, as a sort of recommendation, sort of I've been wanting to watch this for a while. God, so long. We've had this DVD for a long time. Yeah, to to be clear, our DVD collection is much like our book collection, made up of our old favorites, which we'll never tire of watching, and then a shelf of new things that... One day we will get to. (laughs) One day. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, and this one's been sitting on that shelf ever since we found it in the $2 bin at McKay's. (laughs) Just waiting for us to view it. Also, this will be the first movie, in podcast form at least, that we have watched separately and not really discussed at all until getting here together right now. Yeah, we uh, we had to do it uh, do a, uh, a simulcast, a uh, webcast. We aren't even in the same room right now. We are no. at opposite ends. Uh, Wait, I... are, is that you over there? I can't really tell. Is that just a, uh, a a shirt with a mop through it? I'm wearing my sexy time blindfold, so uh, I don't know anyone could be in the house right now, but I don't know because i'm waiting for sexy times i don't know who sexy times that is because we don't have a sexy times blindfold <laughs> it's moulin rouge moulin rouge <laughs> if you couldn't tell from the title card you know one of these days i'm gonna make a title card that's just a big question mark and you will have to listen through our 10 minute intro until you figure out what the hell it is we're talking what about. what in the world are it they talking about we're talking about moulin rouge a musical said to be the musical that revived the movie musical. Uh, movies like Chicago and Hairspray have this to thank for its popularity and getting the spotlight back on the movie musical, making it a popular form of entertainment. It was entertainment. the first musical since Beauty and the Beast to be nominated for Best Original Picture. Really? Yeah. Wow. That is very interesting to know. I honestly... 
I have some biases going into this, but I try to look at it with an open mind. And what I, you guys aren't seeing right now is how high my eyebrows raised because I'm honestly curious about your biases. My biases. Uh, I was biased in a way that you were not because we watched Nostalgia Critic. Shout out to Nostalgia Critic. And he did a review many years ago on Moulin Rouge, which was a musical review. If you've never seen his reviews, his musical reviews are real fun, and it's a lot of creativity, especially if you know what it is. But I've seen every one of his reviews. Aaron has not seen the Moulin Rouge review because he had not seen the movie. Yeah, and it's like I wanted to save it. Like, there there have been movies like, oh, I may want to watch it, but I'll just watch the review, and then I'll figure out. And there's movies like, I definitely am not going to watch this movie, but I do want to see this review. Like, uh, another musical, um, uh, Les Mis. Les Miserables. Blah. Blah. I'm like, I have no desire to see it. I heard it was good in its own right, uh, but I had no desire to see, um, I'm going to do that. a, I'm going to do a quick, uh, comedy bit tangent about right. Les Mis. I'm not going to spoil anything. To- at the end of Les Mis, the, the marathon of Les Mis, it is a very emotional story, so everyone in the theater was very, like, weepy. I was absolutely weepy because I tend to cry at movies a lot. If they got my heartstrings, I'll go with it. They're getting to, like, the big crescendo where all the sad things are happening right at once. The sad, happy things where you're like, oh, that's so sweet, but it's hitting all of my heartstrings with a freaking mallet. And in the middle of that heightened emotion state... The poor woman behind me in the theater started snort crying. (laughs) And it wrecked me. I busted out laughing. I couldn't take it seriously for the last two minutes of screen time. And I'm like, I am moved still. But darned if she didn't break the spell it had on me. And I want to thank her. She really did make sure I didn't leave the theater in a complete emotional wreck. Uh, This movie did not do that. However, uh, I did go into it with biases, and it definitely helped me, in watching this review, look for things that I perhaps wouldn't have noticed or would have noticed but not understood. It It gave me a critical lens with which to view the movie. And see, I just watch things through a critical lens anyways. Oh, well... Thank you, Aaron. Without you, this podcast would lose all sense yes, <laughs> of absolutely. purpose and decency. Because I'm not the one that gets us off on tangents at all. No, it's N- never you. No, never me. It's never you. Let's talk. I am so excited to hear your particular opinions. Should we give a plot synopsis before we launch into this? Or do you want to start and never stop? Um, that's the thing, is like, there is a plot, but it's a very simplistic plot. And, truth be told, um, you'll hear me get real nitpicky about some shit, um, here probably very soon. Uh, but I like that the plot wasn't over-fluffed, because I think if you had too much... Because there, there are some elements in the plot already that kind of just goes on and on and on, and I'm kind of like... Uh, we How long were they in that elephant? Yeah, exactly. So, um, a quick synopsis is um, a man moves to Paris, uh, 1899, and... Uh, During the Bohemian Revolution. Beho- La Bohemian. Uh, 
that what was, was that? trying to be fr- trying to do a French, it but it did not. It was a terrible impression. It, it was a terrible impression. Like like John Leguizamo doing an impression of someone who has that lisp or accent or something like that. We'll touch on that in a little bit. Uh, he moves to Paris, um, gets wrapped up in these guys who are trying to write a play, and uh, spectacular, spectacular. Yeah, that's not on the nose or anything like that and um the through a series of misunderstandings he meets uh satine a uh, courtesan who is uh trying to woo a duke to give funding to their um bordello and turn it into a theater yeah and actually it'd be an actual theater instead of just like a, a whorehouse because she wants to be a real actress <laughs> i i I hate it, but I still find it a little bit cute, the scene where they're, like, they're talking and they're conspiring. Um, the, the leader of Moulin Rouge and uh, Satine. Zidler. Uh, Zidler and Satine. Uh, and he's just like, does he want a wilting flower or purpley and cute? Or the s- smoldering temptress? And, it, like, it... it it does show a little bit of range. I hated it because it was like badly dubbed over and it's bad. It goes beyond that. But um, so she ends up kind of falling for him. Uh, the the main character of Christian, uh, he she ends up kind of falling for him because he ends up accidentally wooing her, and he ends up kind of falling for her. And then the Duke finds out to hide their love. They say that they're putting on a play. Yeah. And so we start the play within a play motif. Yep. Where they pretty much write about their exact lives in a play format, which the Duke never catches on. Uh, well, that's the thing is, is he does catch on about halfway through the movie. And um, also- they make so many excuses to him yeah. about why. Why is this? Oh, because such and such. I must work with a writer. He is just doing terrible things. And you know, writers, they need a helping hand along the way. Um, and uh, the Duke grows more jealous. Uh, and Satine uh, tries to fend him off until finally she can't anymore and agrees to spend the night with him. But sees Christian walking through the street and couldn't can't go through. She finally it. realizes that she has fallen in love in a way that she no longer can give herself to another man for money, which is what she's been doing her entire life. Yeah, uh, and the Duke sees this and threatens her with killing him, and uh, that and they'll just that they were just gonna run away. Um, turns out, I, I mean, should we do spoilers? Uh, enough to get it going. Okay, okay, so let's yeah. talk about uh, the characters. Uh, okay, There's I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on this uh, this giant ass note. Li- oh my gosh! Li- look at all your notes. Yes, I am. They're so huge. Can I say I'm so impressed? Usually, I bring the notes. It's we'll see, so relieving to have someone else like, have a sense of what they're gonna talk about. It, like, if we ever got back into the two different movie mashup thing where, like, you watch a movie and I we watch a, a movie. Thought. I Like, I had a, a Way ton of Way long ago we ones. thought, we'll each watch a movie. We tried recording it and it went terribly, which is why you've never heard it before, so. Oh, yeah, we never put that no, out, did we? That's no, a, That's a lost episode. sucked. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we'll try it again. Because uh, I, I, I felt bad that it was my fault that it sucked, but. Um, <laughs> all right, so the, there's, there, there is a decent list of characters but 
Once you go past a certain character, none of them matter. The, the, the rest do not They matter. really do fail spectacularly to give these people characterization. They are wildly vivid characters, but, but you that's know... that's it. It's a visual. It's skin deep. It's um, uh, shallow. They're very shallow characters. Unless you're one of the main two to five characters. Mm-hmm. You have no character development whatsoever. Uh, if your name isn't... Cr- Christian, Satine. The Duke. The Duke-ish. Ish. He gets more seeds than anyone else. I'd put him at number five. Uh, Like, Satine. Satine and Christian. uh, Zidler. um, I want to call him LeFou, but it's Latouse. Toulouse Latrec. (laughs) Toulouse. Toulouse and then the Duke. Anyone else, if you get any kind of character development, it's like A-line. Kind of like the suddenly appearing black man. (laughs) Shock-a-lot! He should have Name been shock-a-lot! He should have been a much bigger part of that play. I don't know why, but he was adorable. Like, he was always helping Satine. It wasn't even like a gay best friend, like, I have to protect her. He's like, he. I felt like he was doing it out of the goodness of his heart, so... Um, you feel like when you first meet Christian... Immediately, this group of Bohemians fall through his ceiling. You get a you get a ne- narcoleptic Argentinian yep. who dwar- has no other name besides narcoleptic Argentinian. Mm-hmm. A dwarf dressed as a nun, which is Toulouse. We have the writer and the musician and an uh, instrumentalist, yeah. and they're all trying to put on this play, which leads into them doing uh, "The Hills Are Alive" with the Sound of Music, which. Aaron has not seen The Sound of Music. No, we may watch it for a review. It is but that's, wonderful. That's, that's one of those ones I'm like, I just don't know if I ever want to watch it. it. It's not It's not because I think it's bad. I just don't know. I never. I didn't grow up with it. It's not. It's never been like, oh, I have to watch it. It's never Do been you, prevalent in my mind. It is wonderful to me. Christopher Plummer hated it. I know. It's so <laughs> And he was weird. so good. Now, I do love Julie Andrews. Oh, baby. It's yeah. it's Julie Andrews. Like, that is the story to watch for her. That is her movie. It's yeah. so fun. So, going back to the movie that we're actually reviewing. You think you're going to get to know these five characters. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're so zany and uh, out of this world. And then they take a huge back seat for, except for like the four or five scenes that they're in. They're definitely important, but in a way where we don't get to know more about them. Um, I feel like there's there's been an, another movie or play like that where like you think that this character is going to be super important because everybody talks. Okay, you, there is one, but you you've not. I don't believe you've ever read it or watched it. Um, uh, Broadway Babylon. I think it's the title of it. It's um, it's a murder mystery, and it's sort of like Clue, where it had multiple endings, but most of the time they usually stick with one. They usually like they they almost like present you with multiple endings, and then you get to pick, or you could put them on multiple nights, whatever. Yeah. Um, there like th- there's a character that everyone talks about. It's like the grand dom of the the theater uh this is like one of her final performances and and just so happens that someone dies at it you think this character is going to be like this big grandos character that's going to come in and you know steal the scene and everything like that and the character comes in and maybe has six lines in like her first scene and then like and you don't see her again for a long time as a musical it feels like it's building up to an ensemble cast but like a 
Phantom of the Opera, which still was about the two, three main characters, but you knew about uh, Christine's friends, and you knew about the uh, grand dame of that production, and you knew about the <laughs> Carlotta, and you knew about, like, you knew about a lot of different characters, so it became, it felt ensemble. This one feels like we're going to give you eight to ten characters that you could build a bunch of stuff around. It'd be interesting to see, like, these are the first time that this Bohemian group has gotten their play off the ground. This is the first time they've gotten it together enough to actually get something funded and how exciting that will be for them. That would be something interesting to give them, you know, credence and something to make them really connect with our main characters because they want to see it succeed, but they also want to see them fall in love. But it doesn't play that angle. No. This doesn't feel like it should... I don't know why, but it feels like it should be a musical because to me, musicals inherently have ensemble casts um not all the time but i get what you're saying with that yeah every uh, always exceptions to every rule but i feel like most musicals i think of have a variety of characters whose motivations we care about you usually have some sort of like not even like a chorus but like some sort of like group of people that may come in for multiple scenes but they are usually the chorus for the the songs um, kind of like the villagers in Beauty and the Beast, which yeah. I was one. Um, or, uh, and then you have, like, the characters that are, you know what, I'm going to use Beauty and the Beast as an example. Do it. Because this is the best, the, especially having, you know, watched it a million times and then did it myself. So you have, like, your, usually a, a typical musical, you have your chorus, you have your slightly more well-known characters. Secondary? No, I'm tertiary. Tertiary. I'm, this is, like, like we're going bottom of the barrel and they have him. names monsieur dark kind of like they have a couple lines maybe a specific line in the play some of the um uh, men in the the tavern scene that kind of level then you have your lower secondaries um your uh babette is the duster's name like babette the the triplets the 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 the, the bimbets. Bimbets, sorry. <laughs> um, and like uh, you know, a couple like couple of those. Then your main secondaries, uh Lumiere, uh LeFou, Miss Mrs. Potts, you know, and there's still even ranks in there, and then you have your main characters. That's so, what I'm saying, like you can name so many characters from that movie. I don't think I could name but those five. I had I had I had a problem with those I mean you have this the thing is you can name some of the other characters, including one who was the most who was a terrible fucking person, and that is the oh, yes. worst person in the whole fucking thing beyond the Duke and his henchmen. Oh, I know. I know the person you were talking about. I can't wait to discuss that, and I can't wait to discuss why they gave the important, crazy information to a character we don't know the name of and who had no important lines yeah. up to this point. Yeah, and it's like, they have... It's, it's it not was like, weird. It's not like they don't have characters. Like, I mean, even look at, like, Romeo and Juliet. You have your main character. You have your main secondaries. And then you have secondaries. But you still, like, even the the parents of the, you know, the Capulets the and the Montagues, they still, you can tell their character. These, you tell their character, but that's it. You don't get anything else with it. Their motivations. At the beginning, it looks like they're going to do it when they help... Uh, Christian and Satine pull off. They, you know, the dude comes yeah. in and thinks, "Oh, you're fooling around with another man," and she's like, "No, we are rehearsing." You heard me believe that? And then all those characters you've already met come in. How's the rehearsal coming? Quick, let's put on a let's put on a play. Let's show the dude. <laughs> no, you. We are working on a play. So you think, okay, we've tied all of our collective 
uh, goals together. Everyone wants to see the play succeed. And everyone wants to, but then it begins to just take this back seat as it becomes more and more about our two main characters. Which I I disagree with just a little. They do balance it to an extent. It's way more about the the lovers. It, it yeah. this whole story is about the lovers. The, everything else is just the backdrop for it. But they do kind of show the play going on and them rehearsing and then okay, yeah. writing what and I'm, stuff like that. What I'm saying is we don't get to see our secondary character's reaction to these things that are going on. Or when we do, it's shoved in our face like, look, 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 look. All right, don't look anymore. Don't look anymore. Don't look yeah, anymore. It, the editing, it, uh, well, we'll get well, there. Yeah, right we'll now, get but, there. But what it does is it leaves, it does not trust the intelligence of the audience. Nope. It shows you absolutely everything just so you know, it's like it leaves nothing to chance. Like uh, again, wouldn't uh, we're gonna have to let we'll have to talk uh, like we'll have to specifically say spoilers from here out, and we're not. I don't know if we're there yet. Not but yet. There's there's a very point. There's a point near the very end, and it's like, oh, like oh you, yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about? Because uh, I promise you, we have not discussed previous to recording this, but when he says something, I'm like, oh, you mean this? Yeah. Because these are not hard things to see. Exactly. So. uh what do you think of Ian McGregor singing? One of the high points of this movie. I love Ewan McGregor. He, I've loved yeah. him since, uh, honestly, probably since Phantom Menace. Um, I think that's one of the first places I saw him in. And now I know a lot of people have seen him like sing like Train Spotting and. Um, uh, he was always to me one of the high points of Phantom Menace when I look back on it he yeah. clearly studied Alec Guinness he clearly understood the role He's, he, he, you realize that he was a huge Star Wars fan it's like they actually had to edit out him doing his own Star uh, lightsaber effects or sounds why oh oh the sounds okay yeah. <laughs> and see that's the thing he again he's the high point of um, Clone Wars or Clone Attack of the Clones Attack of the Clones He's the high point of it because it there's much more focus on him. It's allowed for him because he's not he's not really that much in Phantom Menace. He's in the final fight scene and he has a huge you know emotion uh, battle in that, um, and you see him some, but a good chunk of the movie he's just on the ship. Mm-hmm. So, um, but in Attack of the Clones, you really get to explore his character, which is really nice. Uh, but he, he, I didn't know he could sing. Oh, I knew it. I there, did. He did something else, and it was like, oh, yeah, you and McGregor can sing. Yeah, he was in that musical, Moulin Rouge. Like, this is where he showed his chops in singing. Oh, wait, he was in he was in the live-action Beauty and the Beast. He was Lumiere. He was Lumiere, but he was also doing a down- ridiculous Jerry Orbach impersonation. Oh, God. No, he was doing a ridiculous French impression, which is t- which was terrible. Um... He was in Down with Love with um, Renee Zellweger, Renee Zellweger, <laughs> which was a musical, but it was not a good. It was not that good, from what I remember. Never heard of it, and if I've never heard of it, it must not be good. Fifties uh, like whip kind of uh, male men versus women kind of romp type thing. Okay, um, workplace like equality nine to five. Uh, sort of. Okay. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Ewan McGregor is probably my favorite part of this entire thing. Uh, funny little note. Okay, so I, this is actually one of my notes, uh, on here. Uh, so, when they're 
uh, uh, no, when they're when they start kind of realizing that they're in love with each other, the the they actually call it, call it the elephant medley. Okay, because they're those, in the elephant. Yeah, and it's actually multiple songs. So the part where they're at the top of it, and then they start kind of going down into it, they. Uh, she's like trying to convince him that no, we would not be a good match. Um, you'll be mean. No, I won't. Uh, I'll drink a lot. And then there's like there's the briefest of pauses, and then he goes into a song. He he sings a line. Yeah, no, no, no. I know what you're saying. I know you, you're. I think you're thinking right. He sings a line. She responds. He sings a a, a two part line. I've heard that before. In the strangest of places, of uh, actually, AMV Hell. Oh come on, Aaron! You can't just bring up AMV Hell in every conversation. I uh, kind of can, cause AMV Hell is uh, my middle school, high school days. Yes, and as such, has no place in your current but life. But I did not realize that wasn't the actual song. I always thought that was just the actual song. I didn't realize it was from Moulin Rouge. And I, I, it kind of makes it a little bit more fun for me. The, the How lo- many of the songs in Moulin Rouge are actually from Moulin Rouge? Because some of them are just the jukebox. Most of them are. There's one song that's not a jukebox song. I can't remember. Yeah, what so what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So when you say that this song is that, it's still not a Moulin Rouge song. It's just a... I know, but the way it was... The the way that... that's Those specific four or those three lines the, the, with the two-parter at the end... How that was presented is in AMV Hell. It's from okay. the, that specific part is from Moulin is it, from Moulin Rouge is in AMV Hell. Okay, which um, I, I'll say the the line is uh, we should be lovers. Uh, no, we can't do that. We should be lovers, and that's a fact. Uh, so call, answer, call back, um, and. I love it because it's from a, a very childish anime, and it's like Card Captor Sakura. Do you ever? Do you ever? Yeah. It, it's it's a it's. A I lo- am blanking. My brain is receding down my spinal cord. The longer you talk about your high school manga days. Sorry, I, it it's very nostalgic for me for that for that. And to as happen, you remember, so. you don't go on tangents. Not at all. Uh, so that was so. When I realized that, that for some reason, that instantly improved my opinion of the scene. Because I had heard that so many times, and it actually, like, made me appreciate this so much more. Um, but... We talked about Christian. What do you think about Satine? I did not like her at first, but she grew on me by the end. Really? I actually liked Nicole Kidman singing. I don't know why. Is Nicole Kidman one of the actresses you don't like? No, she's she's always been kind of middle of the road. There's been movies that she's on, and uh, there's been movies that she's on. I'm like, okay. I thought she didn't do that bad in Stepford Wives, the remake, even though the remake itself is terrible. <laughs> but I can't remember exactly everything that I've seen of her. That's um, okay. Um... I thought that she, if, there are funny parts in this where you can tell she's allowed to just go crazy. The scene that you said where she says, smoldering temptress. Yeah. Like, you can tell she's having fun with the whole thing. Um, I, when you say this is Academy Award nominated, I just think of scenes like where she's pretending 
where she's pretending to get off on what Christian oh, is saying. Oh my god, and that was... I'm imagining oh. the words Academy Award nominated flashing above this movie during these awkward, overdone, crazy things. And I'm like, are you sure, guys? Are you sure? <laughs> uh, the only song... Uh, I had to look that up. The only song that was not a song originally... Lady from- Marmalade, right? No, the only song... No, every... Every other song, except for one, that you hear in Moulin Rouge is some other established property. What is the song? Uh, Come What May, the big kind of in- song at the really? end. Really? Yeah, you would think, like, oh, that's a song. No, he uh, the person actually wrote it for Romeo and Juliet, the the 90s version with John Leguizamo. Well, when you say, when you say, wait, no, the 90s version was not with John Leguizamo. Yes, it was. It was with Leonardo DiCaprio. John Leguizamo plays Tybalt. No. Yeah, it's Baz Luhrmann. Aaron, I gotta be honest with you. I thought John Leguizamo was created in a factory to just star in the Super Mario Brothers movie and then never be seen or heard I from again. I have a laser pointer and I will point it at your eye. Because <laughs> John Leguizamo is a fucking treasure. This movie is not where he's a treasure, but he is a fucking treasure. And he is so much better than Super Mario Brothers in his goddamn role. He was terrible in this, and I could tell he was trying. I hated how they did him in this. Did you hate how he played a dwarf character when there were clearly other dwarfs in the movie and they aren't allowed to have speaking roles? Yeah. Well, except for the one she uh she and she drops the sandbag at the not end. Not a that was speaking part though. Not a speak she did have a singing part. Yes. But not a speaking part. However, yeah, like that's like a tiptoes with Matthew McConaughey, Kate Blanchett, and um fucking Gary Oldman as a dwarf. This movie exists and we cannot let it die in the annals of time. It's a terrible fucking movie about a man who's born into a dwarf family to, with a dwarf twin brother, kind of like the setup for Little uh, little Big World or yeah. Big Little World or whatever. That is a video game title you just said. No, I'm talking little about... Little Big Planet. <laughs> that, yes, but I'm talking about the um, the reality show. Yeah, I know, but it's um, not called that. <laughs> I, I forget what it's called, uh, but like... He's born into this family. He is regular size, played by Matthew McConaughey, meets a woman. And uh, his twin brother is played by Gary Oldman, who is doing the same kind of thing, but it's done way worse I'm than in this movie. I'm going to call it Dwarf Face. Yeah. 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 That's pr- yeah. 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 You're, yeah. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. Both of those movies suffer from Dwarf Face. Um, so... Going back, because... Okay. How about uh, Jim Broadbent as Zidler? I like... I've always liked Jim Broadbent. I think Jim Broadbent is an interesting actor. He brings a weird zeal and subtlety to roles. Um, like when he played Slughorn in um, the Harry Potter movies. He does a good job. Like, Slughorn is kind of... A, He's not slimy, but he's not the most courageous. He's either. a bit Gilderoy. Gilderoy without being a pompous ass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, that was, um, oh, God damn it. And I love him because uh, he's a, he's like best friends with Kevin Klein. Was actually married to uh, the, what's her face? The woman who played um, Trelawney. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were married for a while. Um, 
I'll think of his name later, of course, but uh, I liked Zidler. Um, he never got too villainous. He he skirted the line a couple times, but he never got too villainous. He he was just like he was someone who was trying to make he was having to make tough calls for what he need what he believed in and for the people that were relying on him. He, he he's he's the um like the nurse or the the whatever you want to call it. He he's always making up the lies and he she, she's she's not coming. She's confessing. She's at a at at the church confessing. Now listen while I sing to you a Madonna song. Yeah, that one was bad. Whew. His rendition though later on in the movie should we talk the about show it right must now? Go on? Should we should we talk about that right now? Well, yeah, we're gonna talk about it. Well the it. show must go on, Aaron. So in the movie, she finds out that if they run off together, the Duke will find them and kill them. Even beyond that, she is dying of consumption. Oh, right, yeah, it's our right, right, we're gonna slap thing. a spoiler thing on it, but yeah, yeah, she is dying. Like you see it in the first music or like first big musical number in Moulin Rouge. Give them credit, yeah. Like but... she faints right off her giant swing, right into the arms of Chocolade, and you. So <laughs> is at that least... like his character? Is that are you just calling that his character name now, Chocolade? Aaron, that's his real character. No, name. it's don't you stop with your filthy lies. Aaron, they named the African American character Chocolate. You will stop lying to me right this instant while I look this up <laughs> because there is no way in hell they named a black man <laughs> a black a man. Beautiful, beautiful black, black man. man. Uh black Le Chocolat. Yes. That's still terrible. The chocolate. Yes. He is named still, the chocolate. That is still terrible. <gasps> okay. So. She falls off and I do give them credit for showing it from the get go that there is something wrong with I, her. I See, I disagree with you on that. I think that it should have been like, there. it should have been hinted at, not like shown, shoved in your fucking face. Like, how, how better of a reveal would it have been? If like she did, she like she felt faint, or she did that, and then she actually fainted later on. And the doctor, you hear the doctor and Zidler talking, and like, and Zidler is like, "Oh, okay," and he's like, doesn't really like concern himself with it. It's like, you just you your petticoat was too tight. He just you know he kind of like patted it off, like he kind of did anyways. But then it, the reveal of you're dying. How much more of an impact would it have had? Not like we've known from the fucking beginning. I and don't it's know. just like, oh, by the way, oh, by the way, oh, by the way, oh, by the way. I think it's too much of a third act reveal. I appreciate that it wasn't all the reasons to stop were suddenly thrust upon the audience. Much more interesting to have the audience know and wait for that ticking clock to go off before the main character finally figures then, it out. Then have her know too. Don't make it where she doesn't know. The, the only way you were going to get the truly emotional response of lie to hurt him to save him is if you literally say, you are dead. You are dead woman walking. Because then... otherwise, she, she just trying to think about it and say, what can uh, I do? See, I... They gave her everything to just have emotional breakdown. I, I, I disagree. I think it could have been done better. 
I, I, I don't know exactly. I, like, there's, we can disagree look, on that part, absolutely. Because uh, so, I feel like we're going to agree on some other questionable choices. Yes. So, going back to the song, uh, the show must go on. So, Zidler says the show must go on and it starts into this it starts slow and it builds in this very big operatic number with Zidler singing and um like singing throughout the stage and like walking out to the audience and uh um Satine singing in the background getting ready basically to go tell the man that she loves that she doesn't love him um it's a very beautiful song like this is probably my favorite song of the entire thing um written by queen i know you told me how much better would that reveal have been if you hadn't told me before we started i know i know but still i i couldn't it's very cool it's it oh my god and the the original song too is very grandiose too so it, it wouldn't works. be a queen song if it weren't i know i i <sighs> that's like saying an understated muse song <laughs> yeah exactly i i very much was like when i when i finally figured out i'm like wait this is queen i'm like i wrote down a note i'm like fuck they're using queen and they're doing it justice fuck me I really do enjoy that part of the jukebox musical when it's not all one band like ABBA and Mamma Mia when you actually have to be like, oh, wait, I I know that song. Because, yeah, like the, the two musicals, the two better known musicals, I should say, because I'm sure there's probably more out there. The two better known musicals of, um, not Love Actually, uh, Across the Universe and Mamma Mia that use only one band or mostly one band's music it gets tough because you you have to look even like with Across the Universe where you have hundreds album of, upon album upon album to play with you still it's not as varied as you think they're yeah. going to talk about the similar themes throughout their discography exactly and Across the Universe granted did some very interesting things with the music like um uh uh, I really liked the She's So Heavy, I Want You sequence from Across the Universe. That was good. Hey Jude was interesting. Um, uh, my my I get by with a little help from my friends. Uh, my favorite has got to be um, the one where the, uh, the guitarist and uh, the singer, the What's her face type singer, the one who ended up passing away, the part of the 20, uh, Forever Twenty Seven Club. That that scene that that might be one of my favorite songs. I will tell you, we watched Across but, the Universe uh, <laughs> the night after uh, Senior Prom, and I absolutely fell asleep in the middle of that, so my memory may not be as good. Oh yeah, you yours. didn't to, you didn't have to see the um, the Mr. Walrus and uh, the uh, Eric uh, or no not Eric. The two big, the two bigger the cameos. The Skelter one was good. Oh God, I hated that one. Oh, I hated I both of them. I love that. I hated both of them. They were way too, way too trippy. I, I couldn't follow half the time. Too trippy. Yes. So that's um, in a Beatles movie. It's exactly. too trippy. And then, and then it was Bono and God damn it, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, it was as a theme tonight. Yeah, I'm forgetting everyone's name. Aaron and so. the names forgotten. So, um. But yeah, so that's the problem is when you have, when you're trying to select from one person's music, it 
makes things difficult. But when you have a jukebox thing like this, you can go way too fucking crazy. And that's what they say, you know, some of us just want to fill the world with silly love songs. There are no end of songs about love to pick from for this movie. And they pick some fucking randos. Like, the show must go on makes sense because it's talking, they're literally talking about a play, the show must go on. Um, like, like, and then all the songs about love, and then, at one point, it's that, kichi kichi ya ya da and fucking Nirvana at once. I gotta tell you, I know I'm gonna get hated and slapped so much for this, but I really hey, liked... let me get my pimpin' strong. Oh, I liked the weaving of Lady Marmalade with the Nirvana. It was, it was fun it and like unexpected. A... I liked it. Was, the, smells like teen spirit too. I know, I liked it. It was it was we're stupid and contagious. Here we are, entertain us. It made complete perfect sense and they gave it that upbeat tempo to match with Lady Marmalade. Uh, I liked of course Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. That was kind of a fun one. It wasn't my favorite, but it was certainly fun. Uh the powerhouse i thought was roxanne honestly oh my god we might be disagreeing on that i hated the roxanne part mainly about what happened before right right before it oh well yeah well there there was there was like two scenes that happened i was like fuck and then it's roxanne i'm like fuck me for me it was the interweaving of scenes when we get that, to the, the visual part of the that visual, was interval like, but the the rocks it's fucking roxanne it's, but the, the, it's the, not a good song the idea i mean there's very few songs about prostitution in that way i feel like that you could pull from fat bottom girls uh that's not a not about no they they do have one i think about prostitution but, but, the but idea how better? Behind... How much better would Fat Bottom Girls have worked? Or no, not for anything. Not besides where that scene Roxanne. is it, I I liked the Latin oh, flair and the the tango, the sultry, uh, yeah, way the... that they built this South American flair into it. And we had three different lines of singers singing, and that all they all flew. You never felt like, oh, I can't follow one. They all seemed to have their own part of that song and it all seemed to work together in a way that mayhaps in the rest of this movie uh i don't know if the director was uh too scared of seeing a scene go for longer than three seconds jesus christ let's talk about the editing because that's the first thing you see in this movie and by heavenly jesus is it a hard thing to sell in the in the two first scenes the scene that introduces christian uh, beyond the, the the narration storytelling, um, the the very first two scenes where Christian meets the Bohemian group and then the, all of them going to Moulin Rouge, holy shit! Did any scene last longer than ten seconds? It I was really fucking ridiculous. Maybe the actors were afraid that if they were on the screen for too long at one time their souls would be stolen and devoured by Baz Luhrmann. Oh my god. The editing on it, in it this was movie. It was bad guys. Like I know we could be you know prissy or real picky about things but it was not edited well in those first 20 minutes. Edited improperly in a way where you don't get to see 
any of the characters, the settings in which they are. You can tell that they're all dancing and that there's a big room. And if you could just take a moment to maybe do an establishing shot or a sweep around. But instead, it is two seconds under the skirts, two seconds up in the musician pit, two seconds on Christian's face, two seconds back to Zidler, and it is bedlam. It is is visual noise. And there's like green and blue screen effects they're like they're like they're like oh let's let's put someone's face bigger and it's like they like they have special effects going on and it's like oh let's do let's make this guy huge and make this guy small and it's he like he was throwing things at the wall to see what stuck i just wish that he had then had an editing process after that to be like okay you know i can't actually see anything and i'm going to throw up now because i've been spun around this room mayhaps we should take a breather in one of these there's times when that kind of editing works when there's a lot of energy there's a lot of movement you gotta and you're build trying to, to fall that bad boy yes not when it's the first goddamn scene yeah you have him talking as he's typing in the future after all this has happened telling the story and there are these cut flashbacks to this really high-energy, like, can-can dancers. And you think, well, that was a tonal shift, but okay, maybe they'll just build to that. They gave us a taste, now we'll slowly build up to that. But when we have him really start the story in earnest, everything is cut, cut. People will come into rooms, start and stop, and there's no build-up. It's just all of a sudden... Here we are. The editing's going to be fast and tight for the next 20 minutes. I hope you took your pills beforehand because we are going to give you a seizure. Like, the when it introduces the Bohemian group, like, that's when the unconscious uh, Argentinian fell, fell through my roof. roof. It was like, him saying that, there were six edits. Oh, yeah. And it followed by a dwarf dresses a nun. 17 more edits. <laughs> And then he looks upstairs, 18 more edits beyond the, the, the initial, uh, you know, 23. So many edits. I will, I will say it gets better. I just don't know why. There are ways to show high frenetic energy than to make an incomprehensible mess of color. Like, when, um, there's at one point when it's introducing Moulin Rouge and it's showing all these different people and kind of throwing you off, like, what the fuck's going on? You're, you're like trying to figure out what the fuck is happening. It, but like, you're like, it, you're, you almost feel like you're in the Moulin Rouge. You're like, oh, okay, it kind of works. And then it gets to a point that keep doing it. It's like, fuck, slow down, take a goddamn breath. Oh my god, I, because I remember I watched the scene of the pitch at one point. I don't remember how or when, I just, I remember them showing, or I remember seeing that, and just the frantic energy, and like, that one, it worked a little better, not much better. Because at that point, they're trying to bamboozle the Duke into buying their story, so you get the the hasty freneticness of, and the music will be like, zoop, this. It makes sense. I know what they're going for, but it's not executed well. No, and if I remember correctly, Baz Luhrmann, or at least he's done movies that are better than this. And I tell you right now, Liz, there are people who will defend this movie tooth and nail. I read a review on IMTP that said that this is one of the greatest movies ever made. 
one of the best musicals ever made, and those who don't like it don't appreciate good art. Well, you know what, Aaron? Maybe we're not appreciators of good art. Maybe we're not, but... Both of us went through multiple years of art in high school. Both of us at least attended No, a no, listen, fancy... Aaron. This this reviewer on IMDb clearly has <laughs> more qualifications to speak on the authenticity of this movie. But you know what? If we are, we may as well balls to the wall. I want to hear every problem that you had with this oh freaking God, thing because please. I feel like you and I have the exact same thing, so let's go to Pound Town. Uh, we will... <laughs> Oh, I can't believe you just oh. said go to Pound Oh, no. oh, dang it. I really didn't mean to do that. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Oh, my God. All right. There are there are problems here, guys. Uh, we will say at the end things that we did like when we wrap up, but let's hit yeah. the problems here that are unescapable, unavoidable, and maybe movie breakers. Go. All right. So I have a huge list of notes, and I'm going to go through them real quick. So that opening... That opening was cool, like where the conductor actually got up and instructed it. And did, I thought you might like that the 20th Century Fox logo. He conducts the music yep. for that. It's I thought adorable. that was I thought that was really neat. It's clever. It's it is clever. Uh, the effects are weird. Their visual effects were awful at times. They were trying to make it look like a play. You could tell when it worked when they did wide establishing shots of Paris and things didn't fit right in the space. But you could tell what they were trying to do was establish foreground, middle ground, background on a stage. Paris Eiffel Tower is in front, Moulin Rouge is in back. So you see things happen in there that you shouldn't be able to see from that distance. But on a stage, you would do it that way to give the illusion that you can see it all happening. Yeah. So in that part, the effects work. But in the let's sublimate a person's face over Ugh. a backdrop, no. Like the the Lady Marmalade sequence when Zidler comes in and is talking, there's parts when he's just like, ah, and he's just right there on top of everything else that's happening. He's just like, what the fuck is happening? Um, and what the fuck is up with the editing? Can Can Nirvana mashup reminds me of the Drew Carey show. There's an episode. There's an episode where they go to uh, a midnight showing of Rocky Horror Picture Show, which they do the Time Warp, and um, then it's that it's there's it's another drag movie, um, Priscilla Queen of the Desert or something like that, um, where they do that real kind of fun uh, in. Come and dance with me. They like they do a mashup of it, and it works in a weird way. Drew Carey, that show could get some could get really weird at times, uh, but it worked. That was actually my introduction to Time Warp. Um, uh, so that that especially like with the two competing sides, it definitely reminded me of that. Um, seriously, what the fuck is up with this movie? Music doesn't always match up with the scene. John Leguizamo is much better than in this stupid accent. Fuck that character. Fuck it sideways. John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo, if for some reason you somehow, someone like a buddy of yours goes, hey man, they mention you in this podcast and you are listening to me talk to you right now message me i love you you are a fantastic actor you are a hilarious stand-up comedian and you deserve better than this goddamn role Aaron, i'd like to apologize for my earlier comment that john lewis was made in a factory for super mario brothers it was not my intent and i hope that i have in no way impeded his ability to reach out to you in the near future at least we're on the road to recovery 
bodyguard is not intimidating at all. The guy, oh my god, yeah, like, the least at that point, like, man. And, like, during that scene, he's like, he's like, oh, I've got a gun on my, on my shoulder, and he's like, oh my god, and it's just like, that dude is not fucking intimidating at all. Um, let's see, go back, uh, too many fucking close-ups, way too many fucking close-ups, like, like, that's part Wide of the editing. Lens, yeah. It's like, that was part of the editing, oh. too. Oh, something I did want to talk about with the editing, um, there will be parts in this movie where it's slow motion, but not normal slow motion. It'll be slow oh, motion yeah. with drop frame rate. Yeah. It it's like... in, in certain scenes, if you use this sparingly, you would be able to evoke a very particular emotion. But they mix that with regular, with traditional slow-mo. It's, yeah. two, it's three different types of shooting, all within five seconds of each other. Because, again, the fast editing... Which does not lend itself to a cohesive unit, and the scenes that they use it are not necessary for that. There's a nice scene at the end where all of a sudden, in the middle of just normal pans, they throw in that drop rate, and it just jerks me out so fast. Uh, it, it's meant I, to I'm convey a, uneasiness. It's supposed yeah, to convey I'm, that. It's kind of like the Dutch angle. If you use it right, it could be really effective. If, but it can be easily if you be do overused. It wrong, it's Battlefield Earth. Yeah, exactly. Um, however, I'm I'm not gonna give it a full pass. I'm gonna give it just a little bit of a pass because the um, the time because this came out I think in like 2001 or something like that. The time was definitely uh, a lot of people were doing this. Like a gr- the greatest example of it is um, Blair Witch Two. They did that. They did that all the time. And who could forget the majesty and pinnacle of filmmaking <laughs> that, that was Blair Witch Two? Book of Shadows. There is no book of shadows there is in this no, entire movie. There is nothing. Uh, so, but if you notice too, there are parts when they just went uh, very normal speed of a. Uh, like so like they had a camera and they just went normal speed and then they sped it up like yeah. that weird like please don't do that over sped up and under or and then over again there are over points, slowed down there are points when it works when you the reason to use that in a movie is because you want to do a bunch of complicated movement and make it proceed very quickly to get across a point when they're in the elephant pitching the scene it's used effectively because they're trying to, to an extent it's it's very um cartoonish the Duke asks what's it about. And everyone's like, look, look, back. And I get why they did that with that uh, fast sped loose. up. Yeah, the fast sped yeah. up thing works because it's conveying that all these characters are trying to be on the down low and figure out what they're going to tell in a cartoony Bugs Bunny sort of way. And there, like like I said, like with like with the Dutch angle, there are some of the some of those techniques that if they're used right, they're effective, yeah. but they could easily be overused. Like the, the jaws, um, uh, zoom in, zoom out thing that they do where you're, you're m- moving the camera physically back from the subject matter, but you're zooming in at the same time. You're, you're messing with the, uh, uh, field of depth, basically. Oh, I'm glad they didn't do that throughout this entire movie. Yeah. I think they did it one time, but it, it wasn't anything it was like once, that. It was once, because of the editing, they started like two seconds of that, and then it cut to another person talking, and then back to it. I'm like, you've lost the f- that that you lost the flow of the thing. The whole point of that shot is lost now. And it's 
<laughs> I, I hands just, on hips, shaking my head. Yep. Uh, so too many fucking close-ups. What the fuck was up with that convincing scene where she goes up to him and he's like, "It's girl's choice." I want to dance with you, and it's the you uh, McGregor's character, and it's like, and he he's like, ah, uh, and he's looking at this friend, he's like, yeah, and he's like, oh, and they're all like, yeah, and I'm this, like, oh, and he's this innocent little writer, and, and then and like, and then she's like, mm, and she starts pouting, and then people start ch- chanting pizza. That's what it sounded like. I don't think they were saying that. What were they saying? I then? don't know, but I'm very certain the whole point was. Oh, uh, dance with me. Ah, uh, come on. Where all of his friends push him out so he'll dance on the floor because otherwise someone else will dance with her. But, uh, and then she's like, she, she pouts and then like starts doing this weird dance and it's like, and then finally she gets him up. It, it was pointless and it was 10 seconds that did not need to be in there. Um, with a hundred fucking edits. Um, a fourth of the way and it goes off the deep end. Uh, yeah, it really did. What the fuck? She's dying? Yeah. And then, then like, she she went up to her room, or her dressing room, changed into this, like, really nice red dress. And then when she, and, like, she's supposed to go and immediately meet him, or according, or what it felt like is that she was going to go immediately meet him, and then she's in a completely different outfit. It's like, the fuck? <laughs> That was strange. Um, uh, all the sexual puns during the uh, confused identity scene. Oh my like, god! Like, well, you probably want to lay down. It's it's rather long, and oh, and like <laughs> all the sexual puns. Um, and it's like, stop dragging out the mistaken identity already, because this was before. Like, they could have cut out some of that. Like, now on the other end of it, I understand why it was so long, but they could have cut, they could have done it more effectively where it wasn't so drawn out. And then he gets, cause he starts singing, uh, either your song. Yeah. Your, your song, song by Elton John. Um, they, he started seeing that and it's, and it's actually, it, it struck me for a moment. I was like, wow, this damn. And when that happened and like it struck her too. So it, it kind of put things in perspective, but... Um, the movie is trying to make a point that I feel is lost, and it's this. Uh, Satine cannot fall in love. She has been a courtesan all these many years. She doesn't she, fall in love. She's a hardened person who is focused on her career. That's the idea. Within, <laughs> career. Yeah, being a real actress. Within five minutes of being with Christian, she says, I can't believe I've fallen in love with a duke. You are meant as the audience to doubt her word because Christian doubts her word because we realize, oh, wait, you aren't a Duke. Did you mean it when you said that? No, I'm, I have to I have to enchant the Duke, otherwise we won't get funding. That is my job. That is what I do. I am paid to give men exactly yeah. what they want. Because so they bring it up are... later on in, like, that he's, like, whenever they, she's spurned him and, like, trying to send him away. And he's like, no, you made me fall in love with you, so I have to pay you. So come Wait. take your money. Um, we gotta talk about that scene. That was a terrible fucking scene. We That's gotta... probably the worst scene in the movie. The idea is that we as the audience are meant to, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, does she really love him? But... We know she does, because he's not give her, giving her anything but love and sex. He's penniless. All he has is writing this play. 
she gains nothing by pretending to love him, so we all know that she does, which is why it is the weirdest thing when she gives him two lines clearly under duress and he believes that she does not love him and never did. It's very, very odd, which leads to uh, probably my least favorite scene where he confronts her and shouts to the entire theater in front of all these people in the middle of the play, I have paid my whore. I am done with her. You mean nothing to me. That is not a man who has ever loved. That is a man who is bitter. Whoever treated the person that they really loved and cared about this way? Who hurt you? Who hurt you? It's, It's terrible. It's really, really terrible for all the talk of this movie being about love, 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 love. On a freaking dime he does this, knowing this entire time what she's been, to then say, yeah, clearly there's something going on here, but you know, instead of that, I'm just going to humiliate you in front of everyone and yeah. call and you then, a prostitute. And then right after that, he's he starts walking out the theater, and she sings to him, and he starts singing back to her. He has never made privy prior to his forgiveness he's not made privy to why this is happening why she broke up with him to keep him safe that she is dying any reason for the things she did literally all they hear is the greatest thing you'll ever learn is to love and be loved in return and all is forgiven but to him nothing has changed she is still a person who told him that she did not love him anymore and is now trying to manipulate him just like he thought she manipulated him before, but now it's okay because love? Yeah, and see, like, that was the thing that I I noted. It was like, that was actually kind of a neat way to show that they had an instant connection. That he sings your song, the song, your song, and she instantly picks up on it. Kind of like, um, what was it, uh, uh, Happy Feet, where, like, you're, like, you instantly can change songs. You feel it in your heart. Um, and, and like, and, and rolling pause and like, I, so I like that as a connection and then, but there's times when it didn't work out like, but I did like that when they showed that and there, that there's actually a subtle record scratch when she, it's like, Oh, I'm not a Duke. It's like, what? I thought that I actually thought that was was kind of well done, uh. But yeah, like I I hated that scene. Um, I liked the song. I hated the scene. Um. So, all right. The big thing, the whole thing that kicks this whole shenanigans. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if this that if that's it because um, keep going because it's like and I and that was the thing too is like remind us. Remind us that there is an overarching story. Like, he, they kept going back to the sad Ewan McGregor. And it's like, oh, I'm so sad. Oh, I'm so sad. Oh, I'm so sad. And it keeps going back. It keeps trying to remind us. And it's like, let us enjoy it. And it will be a bigger emotional impact at the end. And then it's like the whole thing with her dying. It, God, did they have to remind us every goddamn minute, it felt like. Oh, by the way, she's dying. Oh, by the way, Ewan McGregor's sad. Oh, by the way, she's dying. Oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. It's like. 
fucking and let us enjoy the story because there's a part there's about five to ten minutes when they don't mention it at all they may mention that she's dying but it's like the first time that she meant they mention it the problem with the flash forwards or flash to present days is that it doesn't add anything to the story he's still oh, just yeah. writing the book which means that there, he can't do anything to affect the previous story. He's not learning something new from remembering his memories that makes him realize, oh, wait, there was something else here. And it, he's not... I mean, he is writing throughout most of it, but it's not like every time something happens, he's narrating. Yeah, every once in a while his narration will come in when he's writing the book. I can't help but wonder why it was framed in this device. Is it just to let us know, hey, so we're going to tell you how the end happens... But usually that's for a surprise. Kind of like at the beginning of Tangled, you start off with, this is the story of how I died. But it's okay. It's going to be a fun story. You you let us know that. You set up the conceit. And then you actually get a fun payoff at the end. With this one, we never have a twist. We never have a reason for the conceit. It's not like at the end of this, the book gets published and changes the world. Yeah, they, or they, try, they to... kind of dangled. They dangled out like, oh, maybe one of them's going to get shot. Like, they kind of dangled that out there and it was, perhaps, there's no payoff. Perhaps for there'll it. be like a, like a resolution where he finishes this and it like helps him come to peace. He finishes this and we learn that it was a story in the, in the future. We didn't even know that the entire time until we got here. Or like he, like, she got sick in real life but they were able to find a cure and this is like he's trying to show the more dramatic side of it or yeah what if she got sick and uh she died years later like you know we think oh my god she's gonna die right here and then like we had many happy years after that but for me that would go uh that would be the how i met your mother yeah so yeah maybe then maybe it is all for the best so um yeah so then the next thing is probably the last kind of big thing I would say, uh, because I've pretty much mentioned it every other one. This one f- fucking bitch. This There's always a girl. One character. It's always a female character that Aaron hates. It's always the female character. Uh, it happened in Beauty <sighs> the Beast. It happened here. There's always one Who's woman that Aaron, uh, the woman who had a similar hairstyle, the townswoman, who oh, you just couldn't yeah. stand for similar oh. reasons. Listen here, bitch! I don't know what the fuck you think Satine ever did to you, but it's not worth this fucking much. If you jealous, get the fuck out of it. Like, because she literally goes up to the Duke at one point during After rehearsal. having... No lines yeah. without being in a chorus. She never she, has the camera lingering for more than three seconds. Because again, she has crazy one editing. Scene, she has one little part where like she says, like, oh, I guess the Duke's not gonna have his way with her tonight. <laughs> After she's passed out from her consumption. And so you get the idea, you, oh, she's bitch. But again, the whole problem with not giving your secondary characters any motivation or depth, we don't know why she decides yeah, to go up and been, say to the Duke, like... They could have been rivals. Hey, they Duke, been a, uh, you might want to look closer at this play within a play thing. I think they're you're like, being why, had. Why would... It's, uh, let me try to get her co- terrible cotton hand. Why would the, the lady pick the penniless rider? Oops! I'm a centaur player! Yeah, after, with no motivation to speak of. Again, perhaps it was a cutscene, but that is a really 
honking big thing because from there when she says that to him kicks off him saying I don't like this ending leads to Christian making making Christian give the biggest Freudian slip ever oh my god yeah uh, that was one of my notes it's like like uh, it's like, cause she, well, why would they want to pick? What? And he kept, kept, kept questioning, and Christian goes, because she doesn't love you. Pause, 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 pause. I mean him. I mean him. And which I will say that I do believe that Nicole Kidman works the Satine as a courtesan angle really well because whenever you think, oh, they're gonna be had. She knows exactly how to play the Duke every single time to be yeah. like, she has, writers. She has the, the innocence and the experience. She's she's able to kind of portray both well. Um, and then, then this bitch comes back after Satine there, says, waiting. I have to go and I have to have sex with the Duke. Everyone is waiting. This entire theater is just waiting quietly in the dark while Satine goes to have sex because the it can't go on unless this happens. So they're all just sitting there wondering what to do. And she goes over to Christian and makes this real awful innuendo about the Duke giving it to her. And he holds yeah, off I, and tries to hit her for it. And, 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 don't you touch me! Don't you touch... Listen here... Ya bitch! <laughs> oh my god, she was annoying. The, they gave there was her no with, with no no redemption, no motivation. Nope, nothing. It was a really, really bad choice. I guys. feel like they were also gonna play up the angle that uh, Toulouse was actually uh, actually had a thing for Christian. I for some reason I felt like that was gonna. There's that was this a, really adorable scene where he and Satine and Toulouse are all sitting in Christian's apartment working on the play. And he's uh, sh- shouting out some ideas of what's going to happen in the plot, which, again, is the plot of the movie, which, again, is the plot of the book. So he's- <laughs> Which is actually, it's uh, it's actually a mixture of three different uh, operas. Really? Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I did not know that. I guessed it from the Indian, because... In Fan of the Opera, they put on Hannibal, which is also an Indian sort of opera because it's the giant elephants and the foreign accents and the glitz and the gold. So, um, uh, I that's really cool to know. I had no idea about that. It's nice to know that there's more to it than that. Yeah, they took uh, inspiration and input. Yes, this fucking character. It's really unfortunate, but the scene that I did like was all three of them hanging out trying to write this play, and he's about to say this line, and she's like, no, no, that's my line, because he's the sitar who can only tell the truth, and his line is the greatest thing you'll ever learn. And there's this, and they're all like three just like, you know, laughing together really close, like face to face, and it's really just quiet and adorable. And you're right, they do play this sort of scene where Christian's, you know, moping in bed because the teen dumped him. And he says, you know, I've, you know, you may just think of me as the, the drunk, but I do know that everything is not, you know, it's not always what it appears to be. And you can't let this sort of thing bring you down. And it's it's heartfelt. And again, if you'd had more scenes like that, I feel like you would have been in a, a more impactful character. Yeah, instead of this terrible, lisping, accented person who's obviously not a dwarf playing a dwarf it's oh i know so all right 
we have nitpicked the shit out of this movie. Indeed, we have. There are some stunning visuals and there are some terrible shots. There are some very uh, big in scope and in sound musical numbers and then there's some awkward awkward singing there is uh there there are plenty of fantastic characters and lines and plot points and then there's that fucking bitch so i i think we need to wrap up and say oh yeah frank <laughs> uh i think we need to say what um we like final thoughts and uh and scores okay uh everything you said i will give it this it actually ends on a sad note every time i see a movie that ends sadly it's always remarkable because it's so easy to end a movie on a happy note to just say and they all survived you know Kirk never died. We used true blood. Um, there's, there's, you know, Spock isn't dead either. We're gonna go find him in the next movie. Um, so the there's something, Spock. there's something to be said about a movie that ends on a real Debbie Downer of a moment. And it's like, no, that's just it. Like, it wasn't a story about love, but love didn't change your dying from consumption. So love lift us up where, where we belong. belong. I really. I, it's like uh, when I saw King Kong, I'm like, people don't make movies like this anymore where it's just a sad ending with no rhyme or reason. And, and it's, but it's not just sad for sad sake either. No, again, it's not like uh, Remember Me where it zooms out and he was on in the Twin Towers on 9-11. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more like he they, they took a chance and what, what, uh, took the step and said, this is where we're ending the movie. Nothing happened. Uh, nothing else happy happens. This is just the end. Again, I there's some sort of. I wonder if I would have liked an ending where there was a reveal that he had learned or grieved properly by writing this, or that it was something else like a another switcheroo. I wonder if it would have been different. But I'm him glad... and Toulouse were finally revealed their feelings for each other. <laughs> well, at least at least it stuck to its guns that. Yeah, she's gonna die, guys. Like, she's dead. We're gonna tell you right at the beginning. We're not gonna sugarcoat it. She's gonna die. Yeah. It's all in a matter of time. But in the end, though, it's weird to end the movie on that. Usually when you say something's gonna happen, you let that be, you know, ten minutes from the ending. You let the person, like, grieve, think about it, move on. And then you say, and now I'm here. Um... That being said, there are a lot of good things I like about it, and I like that it has an important part in entertainment uh, history, where having this come out meant that we could have more movie musicals. Uh, however, that also meant people thought they could do uh, live-action musicals on ABC, and... Oh, my God. You shouldn't do that, guys. Yeah, you that's should just not. a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. Um, I would say that... For the awesome visuals and the great music choices, but for the shoddy characters and real slipshod editing, I don't think I could give this more than a 2.5 out of 5. Okay. Straight up average. And it's it's average in the most intriguing way. Yeah. See, like, with me, it's like, you have to, like, you honestly have to make a scale. You have to say, 
here are all the good things like Ewan McGregor, Nicole Kidman, Jim Broadman, all their acting, some of the fantastic songs, some of the interesting plot through, like how they how the plot is woven at times. Um, you have all of this, you know, weighing down your pro side, and then you have all the terrible shit on the the con side, and you have to see where it ends up, you know, because there are movies where like, like uh you know, with Captain America Civil War or even, like, Captain America uh, Winter Soldier where it's, like, everything in that movie is good save for a couple things. And it's like, okay, so it's not everything is good. There's You still take this, but you're like, you know what? I'm not even really worried about this, so I'm just going to focus on this. And there's things that it's like, okay, this was really good except for a few big things or a few... Uh, unforgettable things you you have to remember that these things are bad. and then you have your tr- truly terrible movies your your troll too that just are awful or you have like the room where it's like the citizen kane of a bad movie it's so bad it's good type thing um or like taming the t-rex where it's just so fucking bad um this one when it's right, it's right. And when it's wrong, it's super wrong. So it, it, but it does a lot in both categories. There are some interesting visuals. Um, there's a, there's a lot of risks taken. I think that's, this like might be the kind of the overarching kind of thought process. Let's take risks get messy uh make mistakes uh with that there when it works it works when it doesn't it doesn't and so i have to say i I have to agree i'm gonna have to say 2.5 like i I feel like it should earn just a little bit higher of an overall score but i'm not gonna give it that there's a part of me that says you know they stuck to their guns they kept consistent. They chose to do editing like this, and they stick with it. But then, at the same time, sticking to a mistake doesn't make it better. Making Jar Jar Binks the, the heart of your movie does not make it right to do that. Or, hey, the first time we had a bunch of explosions and hot chicks, we made a lot of money. People said it was kind of fun. Let's do it 17 more times. I tell you... Uh, an explosion could happen on our front lawn, and I would uh, not even bat an eye because Michael Bay has desensitized me so much. Yeah. So. Five out of ten, then. Yeah. That I, may be one of our lower scores. Uh, yeah. I think um, Taming the T Rex might be lower. Definitely was. Um, I definitely gave some more a lower score. Oh than my this. god, uh, Nessie and me. Nessie and me. We didn't, still... Remember, we didn't rate Nessie and oh, okay. me. There doesn't need to be a rating because yeah. it was terrible. But I'm actually fairly certain I gave Civil War a lower score than this one, and I'll stick to that. Well, yeah. The thing is, is like this. This was this wasn't an average movie where you're just kind of the whole time. No, it's... this is an average in the correct term where too much bad kicked kicked the too much good yeah like if it did some things better like if the editing wasn't as bad or if Toulouse was a better overall character or it wasn't a um, dwarf if, or if what the have you if the script and screenplay trusted the audience to infer and deduce without having to spell it out for us I, I think it I don't think it was the the script I think it was 
the editing and the direction. It, it was absolutely the editing. No lies here, guys. If I wasn't watching this, mayhaps I would have a more positive experience. If you doubled the length of each shot, I might have added an extra point onto all of this. What happens is when you take, when you, oh, well, if you're going to double the length of each shot, then you're going to essentially double the movie. No, no, no. You misunderstand me. The song will continue at the normal pace, but you hold on those shots, those two second shots, hold on them for four seconds. Hold on to the next one for six seconds. There's only a three second shot. Just hold longer and I probably would have given it an entire extra point because it would have been edited better. Yeah, I... Yeah. Woof. This this movie... Five minutes in, you texted me and you said, is it all like this? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, that, 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 that was rough to get through. I, I don't know how it's better to explain it. It was rough to get through at times. And there was other times it was enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Also... Always, the inclusion of a rape scene just kind of wrecks the movie for me. Uh, attempted rape. It doesn't even matter if it's attempted. I don't care. Any time that shows up in a movie, I instantly have just way, way bad feelings. Even if it's done for a purpose or a reason, I just don't like seeing it. it I don't like it. Don't it wasn't like well it. done either. Yeah. So, all right. Let's do our plugs. Plug party. You can follow us on Married to the Idea on Facebook. Married number two, the idea on Twitter, Married to the Idea Reviews at gmail.com. If you want to email us any questions or comments you might have that are longer than 140 characters. <laughs> and if you forget any of those links, just Google Married to the Idea or look for us online at marriedtotheidea.weebly.com. We have all of our links on our website as well as links to our previous podcasts. We are in season two and we still have one or two more month of uh, love weeks to. I think we got about two. Yeah, and I've been enjoying so far, and I know what you're thinking, you really enjoyed this week? I enjoyed this week. It's fun to talk about a movie that you have a lot of problems with, uh, not (laughs) just for comedy purposes, but because it fosters more discussion than, that was great, right? Right! Kind of the reason we aren't reviewing Shape of Water. There's only so many times you can say awesome sauce before it becomes redundant. Um, So, if you guys, uh, as always, these have been a lot of recommendations, the movies we've been doing this month. So, if you have a recommendation for one of your favorite rom-coms, or even a movie that isn't considered a rom-com, but you find to be a romantic movie for any reason, go ahead and tweet it at us, or DM us, or comment on this post. Yeah, slide into those DMs. Slide into those DMs and give us a shout out and we would love to take your suggestions for another romantic movie for the month of love. Um, And, you know, the question I pose to our audience, if we ever get an answer, um, what is your favorite movie musical? Good one, Aaron. Favorite movie musical or least favorite movie musical? We will take either or both. So, but, uh, you know, as we roll along this month of love, we will, uh, definitely be looking forward to hearing from you guys and I'm looking forward to next week. I don't think we have a plan yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. So yeah. Um, happy Valentine's day to you all. I feel confident in saying that because Valentine's day is a Wednesday this year. So you can celebrate anytime you want. It doesn't matter. And, uh, in the words of the immortal Deadpool, happy Lent. Happy Lent. (laughs) Until next time, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And and we're we're married married to to the the idea. idea.